This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are, a place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. This is one of the first tri-type interviews we recorded way back at the beginning, over two years ago. So in this interview, Rachel, who is tri-type 826, refers to the Texas snowstorm. Remember that? Feels like another world at this point. She is such a clear example of this tri-type that I decided to dust it off and post it anyway. One of the nicknames I've heard for this tri-type that I find really funny is the triple parent. So the eight, the two, and the six are all numbers that move forward to care for people, to offer help. And it can be a little overwhelming to those who aren't accustomed to being helped in the first place. Rachel does a good job of explaining some of the tricky situations she's found herself in because of that. But at the same time, that is incredibly important in a world where people aren't really good at asking for help. Hi, Joe. So good to hear your voice real time. I think you've left us enough voice notes that I know your voice by now, but... I know. That's the easiest way with kids, you know, just to send a little message that way. Yeah, Yeah. there's a a lot of big questions that people ask, and I just cannot text that out. Uh, Well, and I like how you can hear um, emotion and voice inflections and things like that, because I can be so direct in text that people sometimes miss my intention. (laughs) So we're known for that, I think. I keep hearing that eights have a an efficiency of writing. We just get to the point, really. I feel like it's a waste of time to put all the proper emotion in. And so people get hurt very easily when we write. Have you been accused of that? Oh, yeah. Thankfully, like I had some training in that because my first career was literally sending messages of politely telling people that they were wrong or that they were ignorant or... Oh, yeah. wow. Well, that would definitely help then. <laughs> yeah. So I've gotten a lot better at fluffing things up. It's just, it's still very exhausting for me. I, for about a year, was the director of a nonprofit and all the sensitive correspondences were left with me. And my team had to train me how to do that because it, it did not come naturally at all. Yeah. Because we're kind. We just can't always verbalize that well through direct conversation. That's, yeah, that's been my experience for sure. Yeah. Well, okay. So how about if I just give you the floor for a second, just tell us a little bit about yourself in general, and then we'll get into specifics later. So who is Rachel? I am a Marine Corps veteran, a homeschooling mom of my five kids that we had an eight-year time span. I teach for our homeschool co-op And I'm a wedding photographer. I do a lot of photography, but I like weddings. I like the high intensity of weddings. And I like that impact role of helping couples as they enter marriage. I really pour into my couples. Uh, I think that's so interesting because I don't think your average wedding photographer would link photography with pouring into the couples. Yeah, you know, I don't. (laughs) That is so so eight. Yeah. I started um, an informal videography business for weddings. Mm -hmm. And Do you relate to how wonderful it feels to kind of be let in behind the curtain of a couple? There's something so intimate on that day 
and all the the activities surrounding that and watching the dynamics between them and their siblings and them and their family and you get to be part of it yes oh i love that it's, it's so beautiful because you get to learn their family dynamics so deeply but you also mm-hmm. when things go wrong you get to speak into it and i love that because weddings can be so dramatic and the bride can get mm-hmm. worked up and i love being able to kind of step in and be like hey we're still on track here. You're still going to get married to the person you love. This is just noise and background things. This don't matter. Keep perspective. I love what I do. I think it's incredible that you do that with all the kids. I'm going to have to wait a few years before I can launch into that a little bit more, but I sure love it. Oh, I love, I love what you do though. Fostering. We were, we had the first two kids and we became foster parents and never received any kids Mm. because we ended up taking in a homeless family of four. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so we had them. And then when they moved out, we actually had our fourth child. So we realized we just needed to wait a little bit. So our youngest turned four and we're starting to like gear up towards, okay, we could get to a place where we could foster now. Well, we have an awful lot in common. I had five kids in six and a half years (laughs) and then started fostering when my youngest was three. Okay. So the timeline is pretty similar, actually. It's been 10 years of fostering five little girls so far. You know all about it. You wouldn't be signing up if you thought it was all roses or something. But it's beautiful. It's kind of that thing of like, yeah, it is really hard. And there aren't a lot of people that could handle that. And we could handle that, even though it would be maybe inconvenient or really stressful and super heartbreaking sometimes. But yeah. The difference it could make. Here's what I, I think that comment you made about pouring into the couples as you're photographing them. We, without even meaning to, do this thing where we strengthen the birth moms. Yeah. We're not afraid of them. They can be as angry at us as can be. And we somehow have all the space to be able to to see through that to the vulnerability of these women. And I just find that what we bring as foster moms is a safe place for the moms where other people would keep their distance. So our family was known as the family that was wide open to the birth moms when other people weren't. And that's um, kind of transformed our whole experience because we ended up being deeply connected to two of the mothers in particular and still very much are in their lives. So, And that, of course, makes all the difference to the kiddo yeah, because then they don't lose connection with this really important time in their life. It just all becomes added in as extra community, right? And then suddenly their mom has more support and it's just good to do that. So that's what I always say. I say, when you're taking in a little one, think of them as part of a unit, mom and child. And as eights, we're really good at strengthening hurting people, right? Yeah. And the community aspect is Mm-hmm. I have a mother who's mentally ill, and mm-hmm. one of the biggest things is that we didn't get community growing up. I actually like dealt with a ton of fear of man, and so like learning that I've had to choose community when it's the most terrifying thing in the world for me. But like those families where they already feel isolated because of their some brokenness or some choices to be able to reconnect them in—that's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's pretty important work. Anyway, absolutely happy to talk to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Okay. All right, let's jump in. So I'll start with the this quote. Um, so Catherine Favre, she's the one who coined tri-type and kind of developed it. So I figured we'd start with a quote about your tri-type from her. And then you can tell me what, re- what resonates and what doesn't. Sounds good. 
if you are an 826, then you are caring, supportive, and protective. You want to be helpful, engaging, and straightforward. By nature, you want to be in charge of your world, and you're attracted to the noble cause. You wish to shield others from harm, and you'll challenge what is unjust. You want to know what the rules are in order to feel safe and to know when you can break them. How does that sound? <laughs> I feel like you just explained me to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to pick it apart a little bit? What are the parts that really... Well, the fact of knowing the rules, which is another reason I thought of as a one in some ways is... Oh, yeah. Um, I do. I do want to know the rules and I want the rules to be solid and firm. And I, I need them to be like announced and shown, not just like insinuated. So I will define the rules when we go certain, like in our homeschool co-op, I'll be like, so what is the rule? Show me the line uh, because <laughs> I need to see it. I need to know um, so I can follow the rule, but then I can fight you about it later. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't agree with this. We're going to change it. And I have a tendency to debate things for that very reason of finding out the truth of something like that. Uh, my husband gets so irritated with me sometimes because I think everything's a debate. <laughs> <laughs> so he and he's very positive. So he'll come to me and say like all these positive things about something. And I'll I'll point out all the flaws or holes that could go wrong, which is that sixness and eightness, because I'm trying to do it to protect. I'm trying to identify all the potential places that it could fall apart so that we can fix it now. You probably relate to the challenger nickname more than maybe other eights. A ton, yes. Yeah, that's a big tri-type difference, right? I mean, as you know, I don't relate to that at all. Yeah. Definitely am not really quick to jump in and, and uh, challenge things vocally. I just don't do it if I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I will. I do, but I don't, I don't vocalize it necessarily. I will say that it takes me a while to speak out now as I've gotten older. I remember like my late teens and early 20s. I mean, I was just... I got so much struck. So I was in the Marine Corps at that time. <laughs> so I was just very vocal about my opinions and when I thought there were flaws in systems. And, uh, you know, the military has flaws in its uh, system, just like anywhere else. <laughs> and um, I was very vocal about that. And it got me in some big trouble sometimes. So, <laughs> so funny had, you should say that because I'm, I'm also known as the foster mom pinpointing the things in the system that just don't seem to make a lot of sense. But somehow there's something about the integrity of being really upfront about what you don't agree with in the system that they find refreshing. The social workers are so used to being people attempting to manipulate and hide things yes. that there's something about our frank, open assessment of something, even if it's negative, that I have found is met with a level of respect. Well, and I think they know how broken it is, too, and they're super frustrated Right. But there's nothing they can do and they're going to keep serving in that aspect um, in that way. But having somebody come alongside them and be like, you're right. This is really crap. But I mean, right. that's unifying. <laughs> yes. And we can say it. They're not allowed to. Right. Because <laughs> so they, they can, can just sit there and nod. <laughs> okay. Well, then, you know, the nickname of your tri-type is The Rescuer. So how do you relate to that title? One reason I served in the military and the Marine Corps is because, again, that toughness of, yeah, this is really hard, but women need to be accepted in this career path and our country needs to be protected in the way that, I, and I want to protect the rights and freedoms that I feel like I've had as I've grown up. Uh, and that takes people sacrificing. And so I um, stepped into that. 
not for myself, but for others, because you know, others weren't going to do it. And then, you know, fostering and things like that. I just, so we're in Texas, we live in Texas. And right now we're in this huge snowstorm, which would be laughable to y'all up there, I'm sure. So like <laughs> our power grids are failing and people are without heat for over 24 hours right now. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I haven't been following that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Our roads, I mean, we got a huge snow and normally, so in Texas, we get a snow day one. Wow. Um, so yeah. we got a snow day two days ago. It stayed all day yesterday um, and somewhat thawed. I mean, yeah, thawed out with the sun and melted. And now our roads are ice. We like (laughs) barely go under freezing here ever. And we're at one degree. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting more snow tomorrow. And so it's just we're like getting a full week of winter. And we've never had that before. We actually have to boil all of our water because the city's sterilization pump system that went out. So um, our water's not sanitary right now. So do you find you're kind of powering up? You're kind of like rising to the occasion and you're like, yes. So Who can I help? Exactly. <laughs> well, we still have power and heat. So I'm like texting everybody. I'm like, hey, are you okay? If you're not okay, we have blankets, we have cots, we have water. My husband's, we're both veterans. So we actually have containers of water that we filled up that are still clean water that we can use. And we have food set aside that we can make and feed a mass amount of people and they would be sustained. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we both see ourselves coming up like, fantastic, it's time to pull out all that stuff. (laughs) Wow, yeah. No, that sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) Did you give some thought to how you think using your six? Yeah, how I use my okay uh, mind center yeah okay let's hear that what about your thinking center is six-ish so what's six about my thinking center is how I prepare for things or how I assess scenarios to prepare beforehand but also that support one reason I can I actually like took me a while to get to eight but Mm -hmm. one reason I thought I was a six is that support piece and using my mind to protect the people that I love better but also to realize when it's time to fight and when it's time to just shut your mouth Um, because I didn't know how to shut my mouth. (laughs) So, I mean, I really connect with that thinking center and I've learned to use that. I'm a five foot tall woman. I can't always fight my way through things. And so I had to learn to be more connected to my mind to be able to figure out how to protect people or myself, especially with five kids. One big thing is I'm always assessing what's around me I mean, my biggest nightmare is that we're going somewhere and someone tries to take one kid and I try to save that kid, which I can do, Mm -hmm. but then they take Mm -hmm. three other ones and I can't get the rest back. Yeah, there's too many of them. Yes. And you had a post about phobias. My biggest phobia is deep, deep water because so if there was a flood and I had five children and they're going under the water, I cannot carry five kids on my back and swim at the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. and so yeah. or them slipping too deep to be able to see visibility or dirty water things like that those are my phobias no it definitely has a six quality to it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never occurred to me to even think of that <laughs> yes <laughs> okay a question about your thinking do you find that you have sources that you vet and they're your trusted sources of information and you've got a bit of a network of trusted information and you draw on different sources to create a bit of a trusted network. Does that sound familiar? Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, we homeschool and we're part of a homeschool co-op. And so I have that they're basically family, like 20 families, about 100 people. And I pull from them all the time. Most of us are very similar minded, but I can't protect the world if I'm only walking in my own reality. 
And I know there's realities mm-hmm. other than mine. Is I feel like that's very six ish because mm-hmm. I want to protect everyone and I want everyone to be safe and secure and I can't do that if I only walk in what I already know is very sixish just to be like hang on let's take a step back here and let's use our mind the other element of six that wouldn't be particularly five would be to be more reactive yeah sixes are known for being more reactive so there is a quality to the eight to six that's far more reactive than the 825. So you've said that you're healthier at this point, but you definitely would have related to that earlier. Well, and I'm still pretty reactive when I feel safe. Maybe it doesn't leave your mouth all the time, but... (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So that internal reactivity. Yeah. So having interviewed a few of the 825s at this point, they're very non-reactive. Whereas the moment you pop a little bit of six in there... It's a whole other thing. Well, that's good to know because yeah. my sister's at five and I'm like, I relate to you kind of, but not. So why don't we move on to two? So how would you say that you use your heart in a two-ish way versus three or four? Yeah, I think I use my heart in a two-ish way, stepping in to serve people. My husband being a three, I can see the difference between a three and a two is in that my husband can empathize and sympathize with people, but he uh, he doesn't step in necessarily to fix it. So I've noticed with my two, with my heart center, that I will step in. And I'm, I believe that's where a lot of my empathy comes from because I've met quite a few eights. I know quite a lot of eights. And a lot of them say they're not empathetic. And I would have said that I wasn't empathetic either. But I think Mm -hmm. the truth is that I feel it so deeply that I have to shut it off. That's how I feel. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Yep. Yep. Because when it does come in, it almost destroys me. Yes. And I just, I know my limits and I, I can fight any number of people. I will brawl to the end of time. But if you get in here and you get into my emotions, I, I cannot handle it. No, I relate to that. Yeah. Do you have anything more on the two from what you understand about twos that you, you relate to? Well, there's some things that make me wonder about myself as a two. I've honestly questioned this part of myself. So maybe if you've interviewed more people with a two, you could help me out. But mm-hmm. um, I am not the mom to step in and fix it for my kids. So I feel like um, as a two, you would. Well, remember you're an eight first. That's so, true. Yeah. Guess my two-ish feature there being an eight and having that two heart center. I view my kids figuring out their own problems and solving and coming to their own solutions as serving and loving them well. Because if I step in and fix everything for them, they won't learn how to handle these things later on in life. And my mom did that for me. She did everything for me. And I was super manipulative. And so, um, <laughs> she, so she would like, she would step in and do stuff for me. And then I grew up and I had a family pretty quickly and I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to clean my house and I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to make my own doctor's appointment. <laughs> so, I want to arm them and prepare them themselves and serve them in that way. So I'm here to communicate with them. I'm here to guide them, but I will absolutely not be doing it for them. Oh yeah. That, that's because you're an eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have something that might actually help. I actually took the time to put together a little bit of a write-up for when an eight has two as part of their tri-type. And it kind of describes it and gives you a feel for that. And then I did this same for eight with a six. So I'll read both of them. And I know you've identified yourself as eight, then two, then six. This might just help clinch it for you because one of them is going to be stronger for you. Okay. 
So eight with a two is described as loving and protective, brings in a vulnerability to the eight, even if they don't acknowledge it out loud or openly. Instead, they will take someone under their wing in order to help them out in the manner that they themselves would wish they had received help. Their focus can be on acquiring power in order to attract relationship. They can have a bit of a romantic bent to them. (laughs) So they have like a mama bear energy to them. Words associated with them might be control, intrusive, taking care of others' well-being. They could be overbearing (laughs) and outright reject their own vulnerable needs. Hmm. (laughs) How does that sit? Well, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Okay, so just hang on to that. And now I'll read the six and then you can tell me if one of them is a little stronger than the other. An eight with six will be permeated by a sense of belonging and use their power to make sure they don't display vulnerability. They're highly intelligent, skeptical eights. They can be a whistleblower in a company because of their inherent mistrust of systems created by the six. They're family and community oriented. They can be paranoid about being controlled or manipulated. Words associated with eight with a six would be reactive, counterphobic, push, fighting for truth, honor, skeptical, accusing, outspoken. Oh my. (laughs) Well, I would say that the 8-2 is definitely more accurate, but I, that 8-6 is, that's definitely there too, but it's definitely that 8-2 is higher for me. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you had a good sense of of yourself then and, and that's the right order for you. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's almost more vulnerable to read it broken down (laughs) into the individual parts because the flavor is almost too strong when you read it that way. And then you've got to remember, but wait, the third number brings you into balance. So if you were to read my eight with a four, it is terrible to read. (laughs) But then then I have to remember, wait, I have seven. And that like adds all the sunshine and light, right? So right. Yeah, thank goodness. I thought I'd read a few quotes uh, and then you can uh, just pick them apart. Tell me what, what fits and what doesn't from the quotes. Okay. Eight to six. Your life mission is to track the needs of the vulnerable and to take action on their behalf. You're a true rescuer. You're happiest when you can use your people skills and desire to protect others, to help those that feel alone, desperate, and are in crisis. So we talked about that when we talked about the rescuer nickname. But that's definitely true of you. I think so. I think as long as I feel like my immediate circle is cared for, because I feel like that applies more to my immediate circle before I can expand outwardly. Do you know if you're a sexual, social, or self-pres? My natural instinct when reading and learning about it to start with was definitely self-preservation. It's like the circles widen as you go up the, the subtypes. So self-pres would be the smallest circle, sexual next, and then social, the biggest circle of your focus, right? Yeah. I definitely keep things small. That's one reason we stopped the foster train was just to pull in to my immediate need to do, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I have to keep an eye on that as well. Otherwise, I'll I'll spread myself too thin and I won't be able to care for my own own crew well enough. Yes. I mean, I have a huge habit of oh, look, there's a need. And I jump both feet Me too. straight in. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, dang it, we're dying. <laughs> right. We, we're like suckers for crisis, right? We just jump. If we see somebody in crisis, we don't even really pause. We just truly do almost automatically go, yeah, without really thinking about the cost to our family. I know, I, I do relate yeah. to that as well. 
Okay, here's another quote. This type is characterized by the issues they have with others. They tend to get easily frustrated with others. They want to help them, but they also want things to go their way. They have a let me help you quality. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty interesting because so I had an argument with, with another mama and I felt like when it was time to go talk about it, because I blew up, I totally shot off. And so then we go to each other and we talk about it and see if we can resolve it ourselves. And I went into that meeting like, I'm going to help her see where she could improve. (laughs) That's not how it ended up going. It mostly ended up me saying like, hey, I felt this way when you did this. And her saying like, that wasn't my heart and my intent. But I definitely went in with like, I'm going to help you to better fit into my, to what I want in my world. Is it your sense that you get into these situations a fair bit? And there tends to be a bit of relational struggle and frustration, at least initially, but more than other people. Uh, Yes, I didn't have close relationships for a long time as an adult. And this last year, I have been more vocal about when I'm hurt or when people have done something that makes me put my walls up really high. And because I'm ready to go deep into community, I know how important that is for my family. I know how important that is for my health long term. And so I refuse to harm myself by not going there. And so I've been more vocal when people hurt me this year. And so I've had a lot of that happening this year. And it's really scary for me because I have this fear that I'm going to be rejected by the pack. And you know what? That's totally fine. I can take care of my crew all on my own, but I don't want to. It's been a very um, vulnerable year in that regard for me because I want these relationships and friendships, but I also refused to get walked all over. And I had felt like I couldn't speak up for myself. And then my relationships were not anywhere deep. They were all acquaintances in my book. Right. Which doesn't work. That just is not good enough. Right. Right. I needed the depth. I needed to be able to say, you hurt me and we're going to hash this out. And if you stick around and you receive me, then then you can level up. Maybe you're not an acquaintance. Maybe you're one circle in closer now. Do you relate to like the conflict Um, often being specifically around your drive to help people or save them or fix them and they're just having none of it? No, actually not at all. Most of the time it's when I'm questioned. So one of them was I put out some information and they were trying to have a conversation about it. Like, oh, here's some more information to help you make your decision. Here's some more information. I had already made the decision. I had already done the research and this was final word. And I did not like someone putting input into something I'd already done. Right. So when they encroached on your boundaries. Oh, yes. And that then, was not cool. But you don't find that you do it to others and, no, and like I, insist on fixing it in a way that. Yeah, no, I um, because I feel so strongly about when I've done the work, I have learned to just trust people when they do the work and trust that they did what they needed to do and sought out help to reach that conclusion. Right. Um, in this group of people that I trust, not not broad spectrum, but in this group. Yeah. Here is another quote. So a blind spot can be that you're so identified with knowing how to help others that you may give unsolicited advice. So you overgive and that can prevent a deeper connection. Yes. Yeah. I definitely do that. I, I do that a lot. 
So it isn't that you're over, you're giving in a way that is insistent on it being your way, but you just insert yourself maybe more than some people are, are ready to receive. Yeah. I and they're overwhelmed. Them, yeah. So, you know, somebody bought a new house, I would walk in and they would show me their ideas and things like that. And I would input like, you could do this here too. You could do right. this here too. I found myself doing that multiple times and I'm like, pause. They don't want that. They want you to be like, hey, that's a great idea and drop it. Right. <laughs> so that yeah. I'm, I'm working on that right now is while that may have been a great idea and that could be revolutionary for the house that I want someday that I, they don't need that. I, I need to see if they're needing that or if they want that idea or if they just want me to say good job. Lately, a very big pause for me is wait. They didn't actually ask you. Wait until they ask. If they ask, go ahead. Yeah. Give your opinion and give your help. But if they don't ask, then they obviously didn't want it to begin with. Yes. <laughs> not a not a natural bent of an eight, I think, at the best of times. But I don't think so either because I don't feel like I knew how to ask for help. So I don't ask for help. But I no. do sometimes need people to help me and I'm never going to ask for it. So if I right. waited for it, they're not going to ask either. And then they won't get the help they need. <laughs> oh, That's so part of our inner narrative, I know. <laughs> I get that. A theme associated with 826s is that need to rescue and protect is not necessarily the same as putting up with the problems on a long-term basis. <laughs> so it's kind of a in-the-moment problem-solving. Yeah. And then you expect others to deal with it and move on. So how does that strike you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I think I share with you about my mom and her state mm -hmm. right now. And I'm having trouble empathizing or sympathizing in any way with her because we have helped her sell our family home of 30 years. And then we helped move her two hours up north. And now we're moving her from one apartment to the other apartment. And then she just kind of expects that we're going to be there to help her. And the answer is no. <laughs> you have to ask me every time. You know, we got her moved in. Just because we got you moved out of one and into the other doesn't mean I'm unpacking boxes. I physically did what you've asked me to do. You need to ask me another question and give me an opportunity to step in or not. Yeah, it's the same true with friendship. Someone's in crisis, you're there. But if they haven't taken the steps to actually improve their life, it gets old really quick. Really fast, it does. Mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. struggle with that, especially as someone, I feel like I'm like an activator in my own life. When someone draws something to my attention and says, this is something that I see in you that could use some improvement. I go to town on trying to get there mm -hmm. because I do want to improve because I do want to be able to help people. And maybe the way I'm helping people isn't actually helping anyone. And I want to improve in that area. So I feel like I'm very quick in my own life to activate and change and shift the best I can and then continue moving forward in that change. I have a friend specifically who doesn't change her patterns quickly. Right. And I do find that exhausting sometimes. And I'm learning how to be more resilient in that area and how to create boundaries and be available when I need to be available, but also not always pour myself out immediately. Yeah, I find we're not good at the like long term consistent mentoring thing. Yeah, I we, mean, they need, we tend to be more crisis oriented. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they need to be able to carry themselves and I, I can only carry them so far. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm like a gunshot. Like I take off fast and then I just fall. Oh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I once heard it uh, put this way that we are fire starters. We light the fire, we get the bonfire going nice and hot, but we're not going to sit there and maintain it. 
We're off to the next uh, thing. Let's go build another fire. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get the fire lit under their butt. Okay, so my tri-type, for example, it's like a fast-paced, kind of optimistic, creative, emotional eight, whereas they describe the 826 as more dutiful, loyal, cynical. <laughs> does that sound like a, a fair comparison? Yes, it does. <laughs> or contrast yes i think okay. i believe so yes i think my tri-tip's like a little bit more mushy or something i can definitely see your four flair but i love i've learned to love and adore that because we need more people who are able to feel and i right. am not quick or easy to feel and so if there's other people who can learn to feel or there's people in my life i have quite a few fours in my world and I'm trying to learn to feel from them. They're teaching me not all my feelings are anger. They've been able to help me do that and they like help me sit in sadness. I don't know how to sit in sadness. How do you sit in sadness when there's people who need my help? There's things to sustain. There's people to rescue and you know I just don't have time for crying Hmm. but it's all stuck in there and then I start getting aggressive with those people around me. Suddenly I'm flipping pancakes like I'm stabbing somebody like... (laughs) (laughs) that's not okay does the word cynical and dutiful have a special relationship (laughs) well yeah cynical like that made me chuckle because uh, yeah for sure a little bit cynical and would you define that as just being much slower to trust and much more likely to pick at something to test it yeah see if it's worth trusting before you'll actually give it yeah, my instinct would definitely be that I'm going to be betrayed. So, right. I mean, even small system, like a friend getting to know me, like, okay, what do they want? Okay, new person. Yeah. What do you need from yeah. me? What are you trying to take? What energy are you trying to draw from me for your benefit? But then, I mean, it goes as big as like governments of like, okay, but is that the truth? And is that your really your intent? And what, what game are you trying to play with us? Because I feel like we're kind of their pawns. But I'm very aware of that in like gathering information. And then I have that information. I don't have to believe or connect with that information, but I have it. And I feel like that will somehow protect me in the future. And then the dutiful, loyal part would mean that once you do trust. Oh, there's no somebody getting rid of me. System. <laughs> yeah. Once I'm connected <laughs> to something and I fully, I have enough information to be like, yes, 100%. I felt that with my husband. Mm-hmm. He tried to get away from me and that just wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> when you were, when you were dating? Yeah. I mean, I just <laughs> there was like one time where I think he was trying to be like, Hey, you're a little intense for me. And I was like, Oh, no, honey, babe, you have gotten into the innermost parts of me that no one has ever gotten into before. And you're not going anywhere. I am so fascinated by the dating lives of this tri-type. <laughs> <laughs> but once someone's in, they're inside those walls. And yes. You're keeping others out, right? You're yes. the protection. So I like threw the walls around him and he came into yeah. my camp. Yes. And so he was trying to get out, but there was there was no escape. lucky him (laughs) he's in the city with a bear (laughs) he's i think i think he's happy with it now oh well listen in closing i just wanted to kind of open it up to you to say you know you've been walking with our eight community for a while you were one of our first followers and, and listeners and we're super grateful for that and it's given you a chance to get a sense of other eights. So in what ways would you say you've noticed that you are different than some of the eights out there or different from some of the stereotypes? How would you describe that? 
Hmm. I haven't really noticed a ton of differences, actually. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've noticed more similarities. That's worth noting. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely worth noting because it means that we can start to make conclusions like a lot of the textbooks model themselves after certain tri-types. And they tend to be tri-types that are the loudest and boldest. So keep going. Give us more words around that. But it made me stop feeling so broken. Hmm. It stopped making me feel so much like I needed correction. When your podcast came out, and one reason I connected it so strong is I had just realized I'm not a two or a six. I'm an eight. And I've allowed myself to be suffocated out. Mm. I was in the process of saying, this is what I was created to be. This is what I am. This is the power that I carry within my bones. What does that mean? And how do I be that with what I've learned and without being the unhealthy eight that I was in high school or early 20s and being able to connect with what eights, powerful eights, especially women eights. That's one of the things that connected me the fastest was that you were two eight women Mm -hmm. and that we are so misunderstood. And I just felt so lonely. So I don't feel lonely anymore. And I don't feel shame for who I was created to be, feel empowered that I was created for the life I was given to do the work that I must do. And I can't shrink back and I can't get smaller and I can't stay quiet and I can't listen when they say settle down in the back i'll be like hell no i'm coming in this Mm -hmm. is what i was created to do and i'm not playing little for you anymore we love to hear that right (laughs) i mean i'm pretty sure i was like one of the first 100 or something like that i have one daughter and four sons Mm -hmm. and my oldest is a girl and i think she's an eight and i i can't even fully express my gratitude for y'all creating this podcast in this space because she's gonna get to be something for the world that I might not be able to rise to because I did accept being diminished for a while mm-hmm. and I'm stepping mm-hmm. back in but she's going to go so far because I can celebrate her and exactly what she's created to be so thank you so much for giving us the time and because you've been able to vocalize so clearly what it's like to have two other types of strongly interwoven with your eight I think it'll help a lot of people identify whether or not that's in them too so very grateful Well, thanks, Joe. Lovely to chat with you in real time. Like I said, it's been great. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor.